Hey everyone, today's episode features Taylor Weil. Originally from Boston, Taylor moved to Nashville to pursue a career in the music business. After three years in Nashville, Taylor made the jump to LA where she started to help manage and develop pop artists. It was then that Taylor realized her true passion was in shaping the careers and lives of her peers and colleagues, not those of creatives. She leveraged her five years experience in music to land a job in HR at the United Talent Agency, where she currently works in the learning and development program. At UTA, Taylor coaches agent trainees on the skills that they need in order to reach their own goals and to best prepare for a successful career as a talent agent. Today, we chat about best practices on networking and how to stand out in an interview. You're hearing it right here, right now from HR at UTA. And now, hosted by Harry G, this is your one-stop shop for hot talk straight from the top. Whether you're trying to build a job in pop, rock, or any other artsy schlock, here's your top dog with info that can't be bought, it's gotta be sought. So sit back, crack a six-pack, cause we're about to chit-chat and rip facts. It's the First Act Podcast. We've got Taylor Weil. Taylor, where are you from? So originally, I'm from Westchester, New York. I moved to town outside of Boston, Mass, when I was in the, my teens. Um, and then I moved to North Carolina and then back to Boston. So I like to say Boston mostly, but I've been around. All right. Northeast in general. Yeah, exactly. East coast, Northeast. Sounds like fun. I'm actually from, well, I guess just a little bit North of the Northeast of the U S just off the border and we're like neighbors. Exactly. So why don't you tell everybody what you do now before we jump into your backstory? Sure. So I work at United Talent Agency in human resources, specifically in learning and development. So I don't expect people to really know what that means, but essentially, you know, my day-to-day is very much involved in building programs and initiatives that enable employees to connect and grow and develop into, you know, their best selves and their best professional selves. I you know, for example, run a mentoring program that is global throughout all of our offices and connects people from all levels, departments. And I also help with our, you know, agent trainees getting their first desks. So I do a lot of what I call desk change prep and training and coaching. So I am very deeply embedded specifically into our, you know, assistant and trainee employee population. Awesome. And how do you like the whole agency life, the corporate life? I actually just had this conversation. I love the corporate life. I think I am getting the best introduction to it. It's definitely my largest company I've ever worked for, but it's not too big. So it's a really nice baby steps into what is corporate culture. Uh, I also think that UTA is unique in the way that it doesn't feel like a large company and yet it has all of the benefits of a large company, meaning literal benefits and also the infrastructure that supports jobs like mine to make the culture you know, evolve into something that we can all be proud of and continue to have it to be something that we are all currently proud of is incredible. So, you know, just the existence of my job in and of itself, I think is supported by that corporate feel. I'm so biased. And, you know, I agree with you because UTA is an awesome, awesome talent agency. Not to say that the others aren't great, 
but like UTA wasn't actually my number one when I was first entering the music business, but the agents at UTA really just like took me under their wing whenever I would meet them at shows, whenever I would book shows with them, they were always like such great down to earth people. So I'm happy to be chatting with you about a company that I love so much. Oh my gosh. I love it. You're speaking to the chairman of the fan club of UTA. So (laughs) we're in good company here. Perfect. All right. So I know that we spoke last week a little bit about your path. Nobody here knows your path. I know that, you know, now this whole corporate vibe isn't what you were really used to in the past. Why don't you share with us a little bit about your background? Yeah. So very speed reader version. I went to school in Charleston, South Carolina and studied English lit after like a semester of trying to be a business major and like sneakily taking English classes. Somebody sat me down and was like, why are you doing this? And I was like, oh, cause I love it. And they're like, go with that. And I've followed that kind of cadence throughout my career. So I studied English and then was like, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And I thought I want to help people and I want to learn. So I thought, what can I do that I love? And I love music and specifically love lyrics, you know, was the person who always tore open the CD jacket and like scrolled through those when I got a CD. So I very blindly drove to Nashville after I graduated, not knowing that places like Belmont existed to just like feed people right into the music industry. And I was like, I'm going to get a job in music. And, you know, timing, happenstance, the stars aligned. And I got my first job at a record label called Black River Entertainment, where I worked in radio promotion for two years and got to help work three number one songs. And I, after that, thought I would follow my passion further with the, you know, lyrics and my love of songwriters, which are just all over Nashville. And I got into publishing and I worked at Cobalt Music for a year before coming out to LA, I really wanted to pursue different formats and specifically pop. I worked at Global Music Rights, which is Irving Azoff's performing rights organization, learned more about PROs and music licensing, and then finally landed what I thought was my dream job working uh, in artist management with like young developing pop acts. And I was just like a few things. I was like, I worked for some jerks along the way and nobody was there to help me. I have, you know, not been able to significantly help along people's careers in the way that I thought I could. And I was always playing guidance counselor to my coworkers and my friends. And I finally had a moment of like, what do I, what am I doing? What do I want to do? And I had a conversation with an HR professional who was like, you should do this. Like you would love it. And I stood in front of my now boss And I was like, hey, tell me what you do. And she took a chance and hired me almost two years ago to work in HR. And I've gotten to marry my, you know, passions of the entertainment realm. And that is so much the world that I've lived in for the last almost seven years now with my actual desire to help grow people's careers. And it just turns out the careers that I want to grow are those of, you know, my peers in the entertainment industry and not the creatives. So I landed here, couldn't be more grateful for it, couldn't speak more highly to follow your gut and your actual passion, even if it looks a little different than you thought it might. 
I love this. This is so great. So you and I have a lot of interests in common, right? We've got entertainment, we've got music. I've never been to Nashville. You have been to Nashville. (laughs) So much. (laughs) So much in common. So why did you decide to go to Nashville? Had you done any internships beforehand in college or like had you taken any music business courses or were there any seminars that you attended? So despite the College of Charleston offering classes in music business, Darius Rucker actually taught a class or like, you know, moonlighted at a class there. And you didn't attend that? No, I was an English major. I didn't know, you know, I was like English theory, like let's talk about subjectivity and which I loved, would never take it back. Taught me the work ethic that I have today, because if I love something, I'm going to do it 125%. And if you've worked with me and I've enjoyed what I do, you know that I did have internships. I worked at Charleston city newspaper. And then my senior year, I worked for a local like event production company and like it was amazing because it was so small and I had so much energy and interest in getting into music that I just like pitched them a ton of stuff and like actually got to see some of it come to fruition which was really cool for a 21 year old and I got introduced to it by a friend of mine who works at Dayglow and he was working at Relics at the time which is a magazine. If you're a deadhead, you of course know what it is. And I went to Southern Ground Music Festival and was like trying to sell subscriptions to this magazine and met a ton of people. And in the age of business cards, somebody gave me a card and I like followed up enough times that they gave me an internship. So, you know, I did have like a smidge of experience, but I will say when I drove to Nashville, I had never been there. I was just like, it's a great introduction. Like it's a, you know, similar size city to Charleston. You know, although I had lived outside major cities, I'd never lived in one. And I thought if I'm going to get my start in music, Nashville's a great place to do it. I had spoken to a few people like banging down doors, getting like your uncle's cousin's neighbor to talk to me. And I will say in my interviews, I didn't really talk about my internships that much. I talked about what I will now call like a buzzword, but my transferable skills. I would go to sleep at night thinking, how am I going to convince somebody that I have the experience to work in music? And I went over and over and over in my head, well, okay, what does it take to just be a good employee in general? What have I done that matches, that's in line with that? And I was able to develop my interview anecdotes, which is what I encourage everybody to do when they're interviewing, in a way that made it clear that I was passionate and organized good communicator. I'm a natural leader. And I have examples for all of those things. The fact they might not have been in music jobs was irrelevant. I was there, I was in the room. So I obviously wanted the job in music, but I was able to draw on previous experiences, whether it was in a classroom, in a job, working at a restaurant, whatever it was. And I, I know that a lot of your listeners are early career stage, and I just cannot stress enough that that is the most important thing is just think back and relate what you've already done to what you want to do. That's really great advice. And, you know, when I was, when I'm thinking about trying to put myself in everyone who's listening right now is shoes, like, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, when I was trying to figure out all of this stuff that we're talking about right now, it was always like, how do you come across as the most passionate, most driven person without saying those words, because from what I've understood, 
HR managers and hiring managers hate when you say, I'm the hardest working, I'm the most persistent, I'm the most driven. Don't tell me that. Show me that. Give me examples of how you've been able to stand out and how you've been able to use those skills or examples of you actually using those skills in the past. So what were some of your stories that you were able to draw upon in these interviews that made you shine? Oh gosh. Okay. So it's been a minute. I can definitely say when it was music jobs, I would always paint the picture. Hey, why do you want to work in music? Do you study English? Well, I, you know, I've always loved music at a very young age. My dad loved James Taylor and Fleetwood Mac. And my mom loved like Ace of Bass and George Michael. And after dinner every night, we would, my mom would take out a vacuum and clean and we would blast Ace of Bass. And that's one of my fondest memories, which really quickly parlayed into like my fascination of lyrics. And I, you know, have really early memories of getting my first CDs and opening the CD and pulling out the jacket to read along, like I said, in the beginning of this conversation to read along with the lyrics. That is so genuine. And what was so profound to me was that there was somebody else that put into words what I was feeling. And that was magic. And I just wanted to be, or I want to be, I would say, part of whatever process it is that will help get that magic out to people because it is so powerful and something that I'm just so dedicated to being a part of. So that's your passion right there. Yeah. So that's, that's how you can demonstrate passion in the form of story. People want you to paint a picture, you know, in, in all of my interviews, like most notably when I was interviewing at artist group international, I was in a room where somebody had said to me, I want you to tell me why I should hire you when I fired my last five assistants that didn't last longer than three weeks. I want you to tell me why I should hire you without telling me that you're the most persistent, hardworking motherfucker in this business. <laughs> and, you know, you have to find a way to persuade people instead of just sort of telling them these are my skills. Right. So I, I really like that. And why, why don't you tell me a little bit about that first interview that you had at Black River Entertainment? Oh, gosh, I can actually remember it. I remember like waiting and being, I remember who brought me up. I remember the office we sat in and these people were like my family for two years and I'm still close with many of them. It was a wonderful experience. I worked with people that truly wanted to see me grow. And, you know, I remember very little from the interview other than who was in the room and where I was, but I can tell you that I remember the person calling me, the hiring manager, I suppose, calling me. And I said, Oh, hi, Mr. Wilson. He was like, no, call me Mike. And I was like, this is going to be different than anything has ever taught me that the job world was going to be. I, you know, I would say we probably went over my resume to a certain extent and experience in the music industry was irrelevant because the job was keeping people's schedules and thinking creatively. It was a promotions and marketing coordinator role. So it was like, you know, can you think of cool, you know, initiatives to push records out to, you know, radio stations? And can you keep eight schedules and eight travel schedules? And are you confidential? And, you know, how are you under pressure? And I was able to really grow under the guise of all of those things. And, you know, like with any job, once you get it, you're going to be given an inch. And if you 
meet that inch, you're going to start getting more and more inches. So the job, I would also say the job you're interviewing for is never going to be the box that you live in unless you want to live in that box. If you keep raising your hand for things and you keep moving that needle forward, you'll get more and more. And all you really need is to get that first job. So read the job description and figure out how to express in that interview how you can do those things. Right. Because I think a lot of the times we get a little clouded and we'll get tunnel vision when we're reading a job description. And maybe it says that you're going to be managing the calendars or the schedules for these eight people. And you're going to be pitching songs to record labels or or radio stations or whoever your client is. I think that we get tunnel vision by thinking like, oh, it's a job in music. I need to show how passionate I am about music. I need to talk about my, the genres of music I listen to, but it's not about that. It's about staying organized. And this is really more of a sales job and you have to highlight sales skills. I would also say it is, if you get to be in a room, if you made it to the interview, you can show your passion physically. You're excited to be there. You know, you're taking notes, interesting things, or, hey, you should read this book. You write that down. You can demonstrate your capabilities in an interview just through your body language or the way you're reacting to questions. You're taking things in. Hey, I'm going to just make a note. I don't want to interrupt your thought kind of thing. And I would also say, you know, you don't have to be like, oh, I'm so passionate about music and I have all this experience, but you should 100%. You're going to get asked, this is an interview for a music job. Hey, who are you listening to? Mm -hmm. Or who in our roster do you like? And don't be like, oh, I think Beyonce is cool. Be like, well, I recently just watched that documentary and I read this biography. And like, what are your supporting facts that actually, you know, line up and prove that you have either done your research or you truly enjoy that person's music. And I just think all of the supplemental, it's not a requirement, but it just will say something to an interviewer, in my opinion. Like that. I like that. That's, that's, that's great advice. Now, what about when you transitioned over to Cobalt? You're still in Nashville at this point, right? Yes. Cobalt had a really small office in Nashville, Again, just like the best people to work with. Also why I just couldn't talk highly, more highly of Nashville, but the, the people in the industry there are so wonderful. I was a creative assistant and very much was given the opportunity to grow within that team as well. And they let me practice pitching and the job of working in music publishing is a lot of like going out to shows and, you know, listening to a lot of writers rounds and even just sharing information with the people that you work with. Hey, you know, there's a songwriter that I know one of our clients works with a lot. Like they don't have a publisher. Like, what do we think? Blah, blah, blah. And I did that for almost a year. I just, at the end of the day, you know, your job as a, a publisher is to take the catalog of songs that your writers have written and go to a pitch meeting and be like, this one is going to be perfect for Jason Aldean. And I just was I, not the way my ear worked. I was much more pop leaning, which at the time and still, you know, a lot of country music is pop leaning. And that's what I loved. It just didn't really have the ear for the other side and was never going to be completely fulfilled. And I really wanted to just test the waters. Nashville is a much smaller pond and it was amazing in the sense that I could walk into a show by myself at any time and know somebody in the room. 
it gave me my confidence as a professional and it gave me, you know, my sea legs and I don't regret one minute of it. I have best friends from working there and working in music there, but ultimately, you know, Cobalt's an amazing company. It just wasn't the right fit. So then you moved over to LA, you worked at Global Music Rights, which I guess is a PRO, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did you actually get to meet Irving Azoff? I did not, although I think we walked past each other in, in a hallowed hallway at one point or two. But the building in Westwood had our floor and then a few floors above it was full stop management, his management company. And, you know, of course, we have Christmas parties and stuff together. But I did not work with Irving. We had somebody else at the helm. But it was still, you know, that was, I guess, my real introduction to like sort of tiny corporate life because it was a big office building. But I had, I worked underneath a guy named Spencer who was just the best, nicest first LA boss. I remember being like, I don't even know what it was. There were fires or something. And I, for anybody listening that knows LA, there's a big street called Sepulveda. And I was reading the news in his office and I was like, Sepulveda. And he was on the floor laughing. He was like, you are hilarious. So it was a nice introduction to LA. Definitely not the place for me. It was very like salesy. It was radio licensing. It gave me a lot of autonomy. So I was able to grow in like project management and having my own clients. But overall, the culture was not a fit in the office. And, and it just wasn't what I wanted to do. Right. And, and which brings you now to UTA, where you're essentially coaching the agent trainees, right, on the different kinds of skills that they need in order to reach their own goals and get to the next step. It's very interesting to me because I had actually never heard of an agent trainee program up until I met people at UTA. So are UTA like pioneers in the agent trainee program? Um, I can't speak to the history of the agent training program, um, but I can definitely speak to the benefits of it. You know, I, I know that the way other companies do it is slightly different, but the way UTA does it is we make an upfront investment in our interns and our agent trainees, and we put them through UTA University, which is a series of classes taught by experts because they're the agents on different departments or different skills. So it's everything from like how to be the best assistant or manage phones or calendars to this is the brand studio rundown or, or this is how marketing works. So I would say a, a huge part of working at an agency is being able to work cross departmentally and think full picture. You know, of course you might you know, work in your department, but being able to relate for your clients, how they could work across the agency is important. So learning how the agency functions, how the business is at the beginning of your journey is really instrumental to your success. So we give all new hires that opportunity, and it is a requirement for our interns and trainees to take a select uh, number of UTA university classes. This sounds so like so much fun. So do you have to be an intern first before attending the agent trainee program, or can you come in directly as an agent trainee? You can come in directly as an agent trainee. You know, we also have something called an externship, which is for, you know, non-UTA employees. It is just like a free, you can apply and come in and take like a pared down, like micro version of UTA university and learn about the company, which is 
also just so amazing that we're investing in people we don't even employ yet. But it is not required to be an extern to be an intern or an intern to be a trainee or a trainee to be an assistant. The benefit of those things is it's it's the building blocks to preparing you to be the best version of an assistant and then an agent as possible. So, you know, of course, if you have comparable experience, then you come in at whatever that level is. But I would say, you know, don't sleep on the agent training program because it is the business school of the entertainment industry. You're getting a master's degree in the business. So it's such an incredible opportunity. I didn't even know it existed when I was working in music and think it's just so awesome and honored to be part of it. Well, I'm happy to promote it on the podcast to everybody who's listening because I remember when, like, again, I used to puppy dog around at shows for who, whichever agents would have me because my dream job was to be an agent. And I had some really great opportunities with UTA agents before I was even starting to interview in the agency route. So I learned all about the agent trainee program, which which was awesome. Unfortunately, I never actually got to go through it because other opportunities came up, but you know, I can always go back. <laughs> so what are some examples of things that you might learn as an agent trainee at UTA, I guess, in the music department? Oh, uh, well, you know, I don't want to necessarily confine us to one department because I would say broad strokes as a trainee, you're going to learn to service clients, right? That's our whole business is servicing clients. And the way that we see it is at the, you know, beginning level, who are your clients as a trainee? Well, it's everybody in the agency. Who are your clients as an assistant? It's your boss. It's your agent. So we're teaching people the fundamentals of you know, basically client management, people management, time management, all of those kind of just like work ethic type skills, as well as the core fundamentals of the business. So as an agent trainee, you know, to, to use your example in music, you are taking classes on the systems and processes that we use in music to track shows and route shows and all of that. But the opportunity is so much bigger than that. You just have to kind of or one really should see it as an opportunity to, yes, learn the words on the page, so to speak, and learn the classes that you're sitting in, but it's also, you're coming in as a class. So you're building an automatic network of however many people, and those people are going to rise in the ranks with you in the company. They might leave the company and go work at a different company. The entertainment industry is all about relationships and managing relationships. And your time in the agent training program is dedicated to fostering those relationships as well as learning. It truly is mm-hmm. like this, the most amazing opportunity to right. start flexing those muscles. I think that I just had like a, a realization. It's kind of weird to think about this, but the way that you framed it is you're purely in servicing clients. Like that's the whole purpose of an agent, right? You're servicing your clients the best way that you possibly can. And the question I was going to ask you next is how long does does somebody typically stay an agent trainee for before they become an agent? And how long is somebody an assistant for before maybe going into the agent trainee program or if they become an agent trainee and then they go to be an assistant, I'm not really sure what the, how that works. Maybe you can share a little bit more about that, but the realization that I just realized or that I just had is you're an assistant for a certain amount of time to learn how to service your agent. 
So that way, once you're ready, once you've done a good enough job, that's when you're ready to actually be servicing your own clients. Mm -hmm. Like that's the whole point of being an assistant. It's not to just help out your agent. It's to be the best possible service provider to them. That's your real training. I, I, I can't believe I never really realized that. Yes. And that's at least that's the way I see it. You know, it is not merely a rite of passage or a stepping stone. There are hard and fast lessons and being an assistant at a talent agency, it is really fast paced. There's a lot coming at you and your ability to take everything in, freeze time, organize it, and then shoot it back out in a way that is accurate and diligent and productive and prioritize. That is the way to be a successful human person, let alone agent. And being able to, you know, at times manage more than one calendar, more than one agent, this is all, like you said, just practice for the end game of managing clients. We see our employees as being clients as well in the way that I described. So to go back to the first part of your question, the agent training program is all encompassing of internships, you know, you being an agent trainee and being an assistant, which is an agent training program. After an assistant, uh, the next step is a coordinator. And after that, that's you know, you're pushed to becoming an agent. What does the typical timeline look like? There's obviously exceptions, right? Like if you come in and you've been working with your own bands since you were 19 and you've gone on tour with a bunch of different bands and, you know, everybody has a bit of a different path, but from what you've seen, what does the typical timeline look like? Mm. Well, I would say I would be hesitant to actually put time on it because it really is dependent on the departments you're interested in and that department's business needs. Like we can't just materialize opportunities out of thin air if there's a need for an assistant because an assistant in that department gets promoted, let's say, then of course the opportunity is there. But if you're trying to get only into one of the core departments that don't have turnover as quickly as others, then that journey looks a little bit different. But I would say like generally, so our, our internship is an eight week program. It at times can get extended by, based on business needs. And your time as a trainee can be anywhere. It should be anywhere from like six to nine months. The expectation is while you're a trainee, you are preparing to get a desk. So in that time, you have opportunities to apply for open desks, meaning an assistant gets promoted or whatever, and their job becomes available. So you're applying and interviewing for those throughout your time as a trainee. So you could be a trainee for a week. You could be a trainee for a few months, but the expectation is that you're getting a job within a certain time frame because after a certain time frame, it's no longer useful for you to continue learning at the training level. Right. And then, you know, the same thing applies for being an assistant, being on desks, because different desks have different levels of learning and different opportunities for learning. So you may be an assistant who works on three different desks over the course of a couple of years or a few years. And it depends on the, the department as well. I would say we don't put any anybody in a box or in a time frame because like you said, every situation is a little bit different. But I would say, you know, if you are working uh, to the best of your ability and the stars align and the business opportunity is there, there's always room for growth. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for sharing all of your experience, your path and what it's like to really go through the agent trainee program 
being an intern, being an assistant, you know, particularly at UTA, I hope this is going to be super relevant through to everybody who's listening, either they, whether they want to work in music or comedy or film or anything in entertainment. This was great. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed myself. Have a great rest of your day. Hey everyone, just wanted to check back in and shout all of you out who are taking the time to check out the podcast, especially those of you who have been sharing it with your friends and writing me such nice messages on Apple Podcasts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you or someone you know has an awesome story that you think should be shared with the world, feel free to write me directly on any of our socials at The First Act Podcast. Until then, stay safe.